Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 4th of August 2010. I always suggest at the start of the show that newcomers should go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You'll see hundreds of hours of talks I've given over the years for downloads for free, for audios. And you'll see all the other sites I've got listed there. These are the official sites, my official sites. And they all carry the same audios, and they also have a lot of transcripts for prints up of a lot of the talks I've given in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu, and you can find, uh, you can choose from different languages on that particular site. While you're there, go into the articles I've got for sale, the books, and the discs I've got for sale, because that's what keeps me ticking over. Most people, most hosts uh, make their money off um, advertisers. Uh, who sponsored them, and they come on as guests and so on, or they're mentioned every so often throughout the show by the host, and they get paid for that. But I don't do it this way. The advertisers you hear on this show pay directly to RBN uh, their money for the advertisements, and I've got nothing to do with that at all. That pays for the airtime, and it pays for the staff and equipment and the bills at RBN and for the broadcast. So you help me out with, with mine. This gives me a freer hand, you see, to say what things I want to say. But um, if you, you help me out with, with uh, my costs, hopefully, and I'll keep going for a little while longer. You can order the books I've got for sale. They're different books. They're deprogramming books, in a sense. You can get thousands of history books with all kinds of slants out there if you want to from other people. But uh, uh, I try to show you the cons down through history and the techniques of control, which has been used since ancient times on the general public. And uh, by reading them, you'll actually help to deprogram yourself. So purchase those, and uh, I'll get them out to you as fast as I can. From the U.S. to Canada, you can order through personal check or an international postal money order from your post office. You can also use uh, PayPal for donations or to purchase just in a separate email to me with the PayPal donation, a separate email with your name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you as fast as I can. Uh, Across the rest of the world, same thing. You can also use cash, by the way. Uh, and uh, you can use MoneyGram Western Union as well. I see in Europe too, you can use PayPal uh, for purchasing or donating. It's up to yourself what you want to do. And don't be scared to donate even a dollar or two dollars or whatever because thousands and thousands of folks listen to this particular show and only a few are the one, uh, the same ones help me out over again, month to month. That's how it goes. Just a few bucks here and a few bucks there. And expenses, really, as you all know, are really high for everything these days. It's even higher to do what I'm doing here. But uh, the costs are certainly going up all the time. The U.S. dollar really is plummeting. Uh, It's uh, way below the Canadian dollar now. And um, that's getting aligned for amalgamation with the Canadian dollar uh, eventually. That's what they did with Europe, too, I noticed, before they they did the total EU. The pound came down and down, and you saw that it's starting to line up with other currencies all in preparation, so there'd be the minimal loss when they combined. So, the New World Order is an authoritarian society, 
It's authoritarian, uh, top-down, um, expert-driven, as they say, uh, society where the public at the bottom are getting taught to be good little communities. Uh, planned long before you're born, before your parents, parents were born too, and your grandparents as well. Even those who fought in the First World War hadn't a clue that it was already planned. In fact, certain writers talked about the need for a world war and the setup of a, a League of Nations, which became the United Nations. And that would be the big umbrella for what appeared to be to many outsiders the communist ideology until you find out that the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations were actually funding all of it because their goals are communistic to an extent. A society run by experts back after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, all down through uh, tyrannical history, uh, the tricks that they use on the public are always the same tricks. Uh, you'll find it, for instance, in slogans. These are slogans when they're in a war or they want to go to war or you're being taken over by a totalitarian regime where they try to make you think nothing's really changed as they become more totalitarian and they create slogans that we all must parrot, you see. We saw what happened with Matsui Tong's little red book, for instance. All little millions of Chinese had to, children had to learn this and, and quote it off as though it was their Bible, basically. And you see the same thing in George Orwell's 1984, where they have certain quotes about how um, Big Brother was everywhere and everyone was a citizen, just like the French Revolution. You had to call everyone citizen or, the, or you were suspect. And in the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, you had to be called one comrade, or again, you were a suspect. And when they go into war, uh, you find we're all in it together. That's, that's how they try to make you think that you're part of something. They're awfully good at making us always think we're part of something as they become more totalitarian and more people get rich off the masses. Uh, but you're all working towards some great idealistic something over the horizon that you'll never quite understand. And they, they tell you, in fact, you can't quite understand it because, you see, you're just not intelligent enough to, to understand the science of it, just like uh, Marxism was taught as a science. And even though Lenin kept changing um, definitions of it as he went along, uh, that was okay, uh, because we always go from the man at the top right down from the pyramid all the way down to the bottom. And in the movie Brazil, which was a good comedy uh, done by the guys from Monty Python, basically, or Terry Gilliam, uh, you'll see this, the signs all over the place that we're all in it together, you see. And that's what you do. You make people think they're all in it together. It's quite quite a trick. Once you've got that established, the public will think they're all in it together and they'll, they'll take commands from the top with less suspicion because they think they're part of something themselves. They're all saving themselves from some, I don't know, King Kong or something. But what they also do is give you special days and special this and special that that you have to start worshipping basically and participating in to make it more legitimate especially when nothing's really happening and you want a war of terror on the public to terrify them into compliance, you get this kind of thing coming out from the top. And it's from the Department of Homeland Security, which is interesting when you when you speak things, you DHS is like dis so I guess they're dissing us all here. 
But this is, this is August the 3rd, 2010. Uh, it's, here's this little slogan, by the way. And they, they actually hire Madison Avenue to give you slogans. They spend millions of dollars to, to come up with slogans, catchy little phrases. Yeah, it worked for advertisers. I can still remember the jingles when I was small. I can still reel them off today. They go right into your brain. And uh, But they hired these advertisers, and they did the same thing, of course, with weapons of mass destruction. And everybody who came out of the office after talking to Bush had to say at least five times to reporters. That's, they all agree upon this, to get it across to the general public through osmosis, because the public don't really think about things too much. They just hear the term. It's too vague for them, but they start parting it, even though it's vague. I mean, it's great how you parrot things you don't really understand, you see. You, that's why they make it so vague, uh, because you don't understand it. If you understood it, you say, oh, I'm not going to say that, you see. So here's a little slogan that they paid a lot of money for, uh, of your tax money, and it's, and it's from the Department of Homeland Security. It says, if you see something, say something. So this is part of the campaign in the Washington, D.C. area. And it says, uh, Department of Homeland Security... Uh, Napoleon, uh, sorry, it's, it's Napolitano. I get my tyrants mixed up in the century studying history, but it's Janet Napolitano today announced a series of initiatives to support state and local law enforcement and community groups across the country in identifying and mitigating threats to their communities and expanded the Department of Homeland Security. Wow, expanding it, eh? If you see something, say something, campaign to the Washington, D.C. area in conjunction with National Night Out. I wonder what that is, National Night Out. We can afford that these days. An annual anti-crime campaign involving citizens. Again, here we are, citizens, police, and neighborhood groups. And so Homeland Security begins with hometown security, you see. So there's another slogan. Homeland Security begins with hometown security. I wonder how much they paid for that. I'd like to see how much they paid Madison Avenue to come up with that one. As they get the idea that now, your little village is under attack, under threat, you can't trust anybody, you better belong to this group or you'll be suspect, you know. It says, and our efforts to confront threats in our communities are most effective when they're led by local law enforcement and involving strong collaboration with the communities and citizens they serve, said Secretary Napolitano. I have to be very careful with that word, Napolitano. So uh, she says she was joined at today's event by Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. That's a three-barrel name there. Met Metropolitan Police Department of the District of Columbia Police Chief Kathy Lanier, Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority Police Chief Michael Taborn, and Homeland Security Advisor Council Chairman Judge William Webster. So they're all getting on the acts to get you used to the fact that there's a, a terror, a King Kong just looming. In, in, in the night over your whole community. And so uh, this, basically, uh, a domestic army is going to take care of it with all their high-tech stuff and everything else. And it also means turn your neighbors in and, and stuff like that, too, of course. You're becoming more Sovietized, and people can't even grasp that. As long as you don't say communism, uh, people won't grasp. And even if you do say communism, uh, so for few folk even know what it means anymore. It doesn't mean much at all. The children think anything with commune in it is a good idea because they're getting brainwashed at school. So it's called countering violent extremism. So what is violent extremism, working group? Countering violent extremism. Now, speech now is termed as being a form of violence. Remember that. There's a whole new way of interpreting anything at all under this new Sovietized world system. 
and it is comprised of chiefs of police who belong to the Chiefs of Police Association of the UN, of course, sheriffs, uh, community leaders, and homeland security experts on ways the DHS can better support community-based efforts to combat violent extremism in the United States. So they're all, they've been getting ready for years, of course, long before the financial crash, for the financial crash, which they knew they'd bring on exactly on the date they would bring it on. In fact, this is all part of an agenda, like a long-term business plan. Everything that happens in a major way happens right on time, right on cue, and they prepare for years and years in advance even with the Department of Homeland Security, to take care of the coming riots that they say is going to happen over the 30-year period as you're taught to consume less, be austere, and and bow down to your new bosses. So that's really what it really means. Uh, They've known it for many, many years that this had to be, and I've said it before many times, as the US, U.S. finishes off the last of the few countries to be standardized into the world banking, central banking system, under the IMF and World Bank, they would be pulling the rug from underneath you back home, and that's exactly what's been going on. So it also says here, uh, the If You See Something, Say Something campaign, originally implemented by New York City Metro Transit Authority and funded in part by $13 million from the De- Department of Homeland Security Transit Security Grant. You see how they get all this stuff going through cash? Everything runs from money in the system. Everything from the top down. You run the money system, you can do what you want with the whole country. This is a simple and effective program to raise public awareness. This is to raise public awareness. You understand, whenever you hear that term, raising public awareness, means you better start thinking about this agenda. That's what they, that's what they always, that's what it really always means. No matter what, what they're telling you to be aware of. This is of indicators of terrorism, crime and other threats, and emphasize the importance of reporting suspicious activity to the proper transportation and law enforcement authorities. So there you are. Here's Napoleon. Uh, sorry, Napolitano uh, going on there with her little thing uh, at the moment. And uh, as he said, turning gets you really confused down through the centuries. And... You understand how we're treated like children. In every aspect of our lives, we're treated like children. And they have, they use the noble lie, they call it at the top. The New American Century talked about using the noble lie to, 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 to talk down to the simpletons down below, you know, the general unwashed masses. And the noble lie had good intentions, but you couldn't tell them the truth or, or because they're too stupid to understand and they'd get all uppity. That's really what it means. It's the same with technology and technocracy, as they call it, all part of this big world establishment to do with transhumanism and man's evolution into some great, fantastic future for the chosen few that come through it with all the right qualifications. But Google, I've said from the beginning that Google, whenever you saw companies coming out with search engines, and I think even at the beginning, very few of them are legit. I think they're all part of the NSA. And they start taking over the smaller ones and, and becoming giants. And then you see so many exposés where they've been asked to hand over information. They do quite willingly to the top securities and so on. You know it's part of the NSA. And Google got away with so much because they are part of the worldwide NSA for the global society. The same as it gave you Bill Gates, who had to come up with, uh, be a front man for, for his windows, you know and his Windows program to make sure this is the system they'd use worldwide. It's the easiest for them all to hack into and watch what you're up to. So they're front men for everything. 
And Google here, uh, uh, of course, has mapped the earth, and uh, you'll find local authorities are using it to, to see the size of your, your, of your property area, see if you put an extra little shed there for your garden so they can tax you and stuff like that. Here's an article here on Google Earth is used to find unlicensed pools in New York. This is a town, New York's um, Long Island, is using Google Earth to find backyard pools that don't have the proper permits. You know, quite a few years ago, there's an article in a British newspaper where a farmer um, who's been paid not to farm, because they don't want farmers farming, you see, except the big agribusinesses. They want to bring on a, f- a food shortage. But he also um, couldn't cut his own firewoods. They used it to spine him, storing up firewood, and find him thousands of dollars. Back with more after this. I'm back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning before the break there how they'd used uh, the Google spy satellites to basically watch a farmer in Britain and other ones too. And this, this farmer stored up firewood in a in a big shed, and they'd watched them for months. Remember the big James the James Bond movies that give you the fake idea of what satellites are, not and all the trouble it goes into turning them and focusing on somebody and all that nonsense. No, they can watch all of us. Any, so many satellites up there, just punching a number, bingo, you're, you you come up on it, and they can watch what you're up to. So here they're using them now for uh, technology has been used to spy on people who they claim haven't uh, got their their permits to have a pool. And I guess a pool is any size you want. What about this one of these children's blow-up things, you know, that are about four feet across? I guess that, that's a pool, isn't it? And so the town of Riverhead has used the satellite image service to find about 250 pools whose owners never filled out the required paperwork. And the violators were told to get the permits or face hefty fines. Now, who gave Google the permission to spy on everybody in the first place? Well, the NSA did. That's what, that's what gave them permission. They are part of it. And this is Riverhead's chief building inspector, Lero Barnes, Lero Barnes Jr., said their unpermitted pools were a safety concern. Oh, what a liar. They just want the cash. You know, everything they say from the top is a lie, isn't it? You know they just want the cash. He said that without the required inspections, there's no way to know whether the pool's plumbing, electrical work, and fencing met state and local regulations. So pool safety has always been my concern. Then it goes on about all the money that they're going to rake in. Uh, is it $75,000 in fees, etc., etc.? That's what it's about, money, folks. They don't care if you drown in your pool. <laughs> you know, they don't give a darn. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing, as I say, that we never get told the truth from anybody in positions of authority. Uh, it's it's the, the noble lie, you know. They have to pretend they're after your safety, just like Homeland Security. Now, What's good about the administration in the U.S. is like Britain. I noticed this in Britain and Canada. Canada's awfully good at it because Canada um, came out with, I think, Gene Cretien when he was a prime minister, and he ran on, on different slogans that they dreamed up from. One was jobs, jobs, jobs. And the rest of it we couldn't understand in French or English because he couldn't really speak very good of either. And that's what the reporters themselves said, which means he was a good politician. When no one can understand you, they can't very well condemn you. But um, what he didn't tell you was the jobs that they were creating from Canada were all overseas, you see, because it signed the GATT Treaty and other treaties 
to make sure there were jobs all overseas for different people as we transferred factories off to China and stuff like that. Plus, we paid for their transportation over to China, and the taxpayers also pay still today on an ongoing 10-yearly sign-up if they claim they've lost business in the setting up of their business and transportation. The U.S. is doing the same thing, and so is Britain and every other country. Thanks to your wonderful politicians that you think serve you, uh, for those who are really brain-dead. But this article here is for the U.S., and it says the U.S. is to train 3,000 workers, but they're all offshore in Asia. And so $22 million federally backed program aims to help outsourcers in South Asia become more fluent in areas like Java programming and the English language, it says. And it's from Information Week. And I'll put this up on my site with all the other uh, things I talk about today. I'll put them all up on my site, cuttingthroughmatrix.com, at the end of the show. But it says here, uh, Obama's pledge to retain more high-tech jobs in the U.S. Uh, is a, f- a federal agency run by a hand-picked Obama appointee, has launched a $22 million program to train workers, including 3,000 specialists in IT and related functions in South Asia. Uh, then it goes on and on and on about outsourcing and how wonderful it will be for India and various other countries. Uh, and, of course, USAID is all in it and so on. And it will help them brush up on English language and, and so on. So there you go. That's only one, that's only one uh, grant, 22 million. That's quite cheap, really, compared to what the U.S. is pouring out all over the world uh, to make sure that everyone else gets a job except at home. Now, another article here is about bicycles, because I read an article in the UK where they're actually going ahead and putting in these special uh, parallel roads for bikes along the motorways, since there'll be no cars on the motorways except uh, um, military vehicles in the near future, and uh, special transportation only for ambulances and stuff like that mainly for military as they go from place to place where there's riots during the 30-year takedown period, according to the UN think tank that works for the British military and according to the US military itself too, as I mentioned before. You'll find that there are whole 90 pages in my archive section. Just look it up, their, project, their predictions for the next 30 years. So anyway, uh, they don't want people traveling on the roads except themselves. And they can rush armies from, from here to there with these big roads that they've set up, you see. Uh, but they're putting in bike paths, uh, and not just paths, actually roads. And here they're doing it in the States as well at the same time. It's amazing how everything happens across the world at the same time. And this article says, Bike agenda spins cities towards United Nations control, Mays warns. And it's from the Denver Post. And they go on saying that, that Mays is warning the voters uh, that Denver Mayor John uh, Hickenlooper's policies, particularly his efforts to boost bike riding, are converting Denver into a United Nations community. It's all very well disguised, but it will be exposed, Mays told about 50 supporters who showed up at a campaign rally last week in Centennial. He said uh, later in an interview that he once thought the mayor's efforts to promote cycling and other environmental initiatives were harmless and well-meaning. Now he realizes that's exactly the attitude they want you to have, and it, he's darn right. That, that's what it is. It's a United Nations agenda. I see music coming in again, so I'll be back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. Uh, reading an article about Denver and, uh, and Mays, who's come out with uh, the realization, which is true, that uh, the mayor who's promoting uh, bicycling and, and environmental initiatives, um, which are meant to think it's only you and your local area that's up to it. No, it's, this is part of an international program. And he says here, it's bigger than it looks on the surface and could threaten our personal freedoms. He says, these aren't just warm, fuzzy ideas from the mayor. These are very specific strategies that are dictated to us by this United Nations program that mayors have signed on to. And that's true. There's an international association of mayors. And they've all joined it without the public's knowledge. They've been on it for years. Remember, the first thing you must do for world government is standardize everything. Get everybody on board. Consensus, they call it. It's easy to do with a few bucks for these guys. May said in a later interview that he was referring to Denver's membership in the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives, an international association that promotes sustainable development and has attracted the membership of more than 1,200 communities, 600 of which are in the United States. Denver became a member of the group in 1992, more than a decade before Hickenlooper became mayor. Eric Brown, the mayor's spokesman, said the city's contact with ICLEI is limited. George Merritt, spokesman for the Hickenlooper Gluber Nashtorial campaign, said the group's goal is to bring cities from all over the world together. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Kind of crowded for all come together, isn't it? To share best practices and help create the kinds of communities people want to live and do business in. Oh, that looks like something from Disney, isn't it? John Hickenlooper believes collaboration leads to smart decisions. You get smart growth and all these smart things will happen, you see. Hickenlooper has often touted bicycling and so on as a way to go. So, so there you go. This is what's all coming up. Now, it's just amazing though, isn't it? It's just truly amazing what happens in the world. And most folk don't even know there's an international association of mayors belong to an international organization, all part in the same stuff, putting the same stuff forward in their communities and not telling the public that this is a world-driven agenda for the future they're creating on behalf of their masters, you see. Now, I mentioned yesterday about how we're eating cloned meat, you see, because they come out in the newspapers again with the noble line, oh, these cloned animals, these farm animals will not end up in the food chain. And then, of course, they did it already with uh, meat and then milk. And see, pigs were getting done in the, in the U.S. in the 1970s without the public's knowledge. And this is from Wise Up Journal. And he goes on about convenient cloning loophole in the EU law. Well, it's actually meant to be there. It was written in there on purpose. And it says, um, it gives an article here. For, this is the, U, the EU Observer. It says, milk cloned from cow offspring exposes gap in the EU food law. Claims that a British farmer has been selling milk from a cloned animal has exposed a loophole in the EU law dealing with putting new foods on the market. The matter is currently being investigated by the country's food standards agency. Well, that, we know who they work for. However, even if the report is verified, the farmer in question has not broken the EU rules. Produce from the offspring of cloned animals is not covered by the rules. Oh, how convenient, isn't it? 
So meat and milk from the offspring of cloned animals is not currently covered by the uh, novel foods regulation. Therefore, there's no need to notify it. A European Commission spokesperson said Tuesday. It's amazing that the European Commission is, is like it's like the, the Politburo. It really is the Politburo. I mean, you don't vote these guys in. They're just there and they're the head hootspans and you all just bow and do what you're told or else. These are the guys who said to criticize the, the European Union Parliament was akin to heresy. And that's a term they used, heresy. The, la- the only thing they didn't say was off with your head, but that'll come. It says, a legal situation meant that the authorities have no way of knowing how much, if any, produce of the, off- of the offspring of cloned animals is being sold in the EU. Of course they do, because also follow it down the food chain to see what affects you. Just like the GMO food. They use it in Canada. Uh, Canadians were kept in ignorance of it. The government had made a secret deal with Monsanto. They had to admit that later. In all the national papers, it said secret deal with Monsanto, Canadian government, to test out on Canadians. And then they followed their health records to watch us going down the tubes. Uh, very well. So it's worked very well because we are all going down the tubes on it. That's part of what it's really out there for. For all you people out there who are, who are always eternal optimists. That's the real world, you know. Now, again, the noble lie comes out because that's the whole art of, of being an authoritarian society. You're lying to the people about everything. I used to like reading the Soviet stuff because, because they used to write stuff by, their, by famous people within the Soviet Union and almost as though they were, they were talking to someone about maybe six years of age in school. And they talked down to them in a, in a kind of paternalistic fashion, even in their writings. It was so simplistic. And, and Gorbachev still does that today with the books that he puts out or has put out for him on his behalf. It's as though he's talking down to children. And that's how we're talked down to as well. The same way. It's getting worse and worse all the time. But they do admit that uh, they make the media um, uh, really towards about someone with a sixth grade education. I think it's personally a lot lower. Today's media is a lot lower. We're going to linguistic minimalism where we can't express an idea or, or even a disappointment even uh, to anyone uh, unless you're using expletives because that's all they see in Hollywood today. Uh, feds admit storing checkpoint body scan images. Remember, they weren't going to do that too. Remember? And, and, every, and people thought, oh, well, it's okay, you know, they, 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 uh, it's all private and they won't keep them and all that nonsense. You know? And I said at the time, no, they'll be selling this stuff to the parents for children and stuff like that. And, and they are, of course. But anyway, this article here is for the last few years, federal agencies have defended body scanning by insisting that all images will be discarded as soon as they're viewed. The Transportation Security Administration claimed last summer, for instance, that scanned images cannot be stored or recorded. What a liar, eh? Let's call them what they are, a liar, eh? Now it turns out that some police agencies, some, some, they're all doing it, are storing the controversial images after all. The U.S. Marshals Service admitted this week that it had surreptitiously saved tens of thousands of images recorded with a millimeter wave system at the security checkpoint of a single Florida courthouse. Ha! 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 Doesn't no matter. Supposing you're going to these, these buildings to, to pay your rent or something in your local community, you're getting scanned and all the rest of it. And, and they keep that and laugh at you and probably sell off to their relatives and stuff because I understand they have these kind of preferences. However, that's the reality of the world we live in. We're, we're in the new Soviets. A world Soviet 
only it's run by the, the richest people on the planet, just like the Soviet Union was. In fact, they set it up that way with the consent of uh, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, who helped them along. There's an also an article about the brain-eating bugs that the vaccines contain, and it's by Vera Schreiber, Schreibner, PhD, from 1999. I'm going to put that one up to show you. Uh, this came out recently again, where they found out that children are having... Uh, Strokes, a lot of them, and um, seizures to do with the flu vaccines have been given in some areas, so they've stopped giving them in some areas. However, I told you years ago that, that even the even your first inoculations for children at the time of when they get autism, of course, that's when it sits in. They're starting to say da da mama, and they get injections. They have a high fever. The doctor tells you it's okay. It's, it's centered in their head. Well, in their head is their brain, you see, and that's where the, the inflammation is, and it means that's killing off brain cells, which is intended to do. It works very well on most folk who don't get uh, full-blown autism. We just drop a few points in the IQ scale and we're easier to manage. That's the reason for it all. But this article is about brain-eating bugs that the vaccines uh, contain. And it's a good little history of it going back to the 50s and so on. Reports from the official journals about they already knew all this stuff was in the vaccines then. It still is today and so on and so on. I'll put that up there for those, again, eternal optimists that poo-poo all this stuff. You know, the new age types, don't look at anything negative, look at the positive. And sometimes, you know, you have to go into um, other countries to find something so simple, the simplistic way to describe something that folk have forgotten. And so much so, they've been so tampered with, they can't even phrase it themselves. And this is an article put out by I think it's a, it's, it's a Middle Eastern organization, probably. But it's on the racism and, and pathology of left progressive first world activism. It's interesting, because they talk about different systems. And it says here, Arguably, the three most influential endpoint models of political organization are best represented by Adam Smith for capitalism, Karl Marx, which was, was for social communism, and Michael Bakunin, who was an anarchist. They also had other things in common as well. But it says, these three men and many other persons who contributed to critiquing, perfecting, and adapting or combining these endpoint models for the world, for the system, were unquestionably brilliant, acute, and incisive. The problem is none of these models has ever been put into practice in a sustainable way. Now listen to this now. This is from foreigners, right? This is because none of these models or their adaptations and combinations can successfully be put into practice by engineering a system for people to inhabit. Now, for the hard of thinking, I'll mention that last bit again. It says, this is because none of these models or their adaptations and combinations can successfully be put into practice by engineering a system for people to inhabit. In other words, to fit into. Because we are people, you see. So they can't work. For these ideal models to work, they must arise from a self-organization in which every individual, individual, see, they, they actually use the word individuals over there because it's, it's been, they understand what it means. It's been lost in our vocabulary as we become all communitarian. This is, every individual has both the capacity to recognize when a foundational element of the model, that's your government model, is being corrupted 
by a particular practice and the capacity to intervene to prevent or correct the corruption. You see? With capacity to intervene comes capacity to recognize. Very important here. Very, very important articles. And put so simply. It says, the American libertarians understood this and inspired a revolutionary constitution that guaranteed the individual the right to intervene, such as bear arms and free speech, etc. Actually, that's why you get the right to free speech and then bear arms, because without bearing arms, you have no free speech. That's what the Founding Fathers knew. It says, this libertarianism also nurtured a deep and healthy cultural distrust of governments, institutions, banks, and corporations. Why? Because the Founding Fathers knew their history. They they watched Europe. They knew what was going on. They had a better knowledge of it than we do today. They knew the corruption of the totalitarian systems. It says here, to be sustainable, the above-mentioned socio-political economic models and their combinations cannot be imposed and managed from the top, but instead must be driven from the base for it to work. The average individual must have the right to do something about it, right? And it must be discovered and developed by the individual connected to his or her community and must be controlled by the individual via personal agency. As soon as the individual, this is so important, this article, as soon as the individual has little or no influence to correct the system that's gone corrupt, then there is runaway hierarchical command and control and all the nasty oppressions that this necessarily implies. You have to get this from people in the Middle East to tell Americans what they've lost. They're so mind-bombed with entertainment, unhealthy food, the GMO stuff, and poisoned uh, through their inoculations. But really, it's, it's mainly through the massive media overload they get of nonsense and lies and through their entertainment that they've forgotten how to think. They've forgotten how to think. And they've already been trained into simply going along with authoritarian society. And yet here they are pointing out where the whole of the U.S. was founded for. And it's so important. So important. This particular paragraph again, it says, For these ideal models, for your government, right? These ideal models to work, they must arise from a self-organization. That's yourself in which every individual has both the capacity to recognize when a foundational element of the model as of your country is being corrupted by a particular practice and the capacity, you have the capacity to intervene to prevent or correct the corruption. With capacity to intervene comes capacity to recognize. You've got to be able to do something about it. Once you're under authoritarianism, as, you, as everyone's finding out, they've got no, no rights at all. It's, it's you do and you obey, or else. And so the individual feels utterly helpless because his system is completely corrupted. Completely corrupted. So I'll put this, this particular link up as well. And it's called On the Racism and Pathology of Left Progressive First World Activism. I'll put this up on my site tonight, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, at the end of the show. You've got to read it as a keeper, because you can go over these paragraphs time and time again. And it's so, so simply, 
and clearly and plainly that you can't mistake what it's trying to say. It says it very, very well. This is stuff that you should be taught in schools in the U.S. to every child before they were taught communitarianism and communism. And you wonder why you're in the mess you're in. There's also a book put out by uh, one of the uh, a prisoner who was put to all the, the torture hell holes through the bush and I guess maybe even the Bama era. And it's just, uh, he's put out his own book about what it's really like for anybody who cares to know. Not that most folk will because they watch so much sadomasochism and slaughter on television under the guise of entertainment. The most debased stuff you can watch today if you want your mind to turn to mush. And it says here, although U.S. officials have attributed the torture of Muslim prisoners in their custody to a handful of maverick guards, in fact, such criminal acts were widely perpetrated and systemic, largely involving large numbers of military personnel, a book by a survivor suggests. Additionally, guards were responsible for, by, for countless acts of murder, including death by crucifixion, lynching, poisoning, snake bite, withholding of medicines, starvation, and bludgeoning of innocent victims. And the murders committed by U.S. troops numbered at least in the hundreds, according to reliable sources. Now, that's true enough because it was admitted uh, by a general, a U.S. general, a woman, and I read the article of, uh, maybe about a year ago, where she said it was all nonsense, this rounding up of people in Iraq and elsewhere, uh, who just happened to be in the wrong time, at the wrong place at the wrong time, because the troops would go out and just round up a quota, fill the number, forget the number, and just pull them off the streets. And then they start torturing them. Just fill the quotas, keep everybody happy above, because everything runs in the U.S. military on numbers, you see. Same in Vietnam era, how many, how many years did they collect? It didn't matter whose they were. As long as you collected them, filled the quota. They were all Kong. Obviously, they were dead. That proved they were Kong. Back with more after this break. back and we're cutting through the matrix. Remember the matrix is the, the big uh, system in which you're born into that you take for granted. It must be normal because your parents tell you it's normal and it's reinforced through schooling and everything else around you. It's to reinforce this normalcy of a horror show and uh, that's what the matrix really is. Lots of compartments within it is compartmentalized right up to those who get chosen to be authoritarian over yourself as they climb the ladder to get to the higher levels of the matrix, and they get awfully well paid on the way up to if they're very good liars. But you must lie to the public. It's called the noble lie. Remember, we're simpletons at the bottom. We wouldn't go along with all this de-enfranchement uh, that's gone on as they give power to the UN and bring in the, the combined Soviet system, the Soviet system and a form of, a form, I should say, of capitalism combines together exactly what uh, Lenin said would happen at the end of it. Here we are, because the, the West, as I say, funded them into existence, fed them all through their, their era, and now they've brought in everything they've learned during that big laboratory called the Soviet Union into the West, especially in the school systems. Here's an article here, too. Remember, I've talked about Bertrand Russell and uh, Julian Huxley of UNESCO, who said they'd hypersexualized children. 
to to see if they could pre pre puberty even to see if they could uh, uh, never bond with any particular person in life. The idea was to separate bonding and emotion from the, the sexual act itself. And the, Russell tr- tried this out on children. He had a special school set up with permission from the Royal, uh, the Royal Charter to do things which perverts wouldn't be allowed to do even today. And uh, he found that, yes, multiple partners, hypersexualizing them, addicting them to, in other words, uh, would, and they said too, Quigley said the same thing, that the women, the females are far more sexually um, active with this kind of training than the males are. So there's a huge rise in 11-year-olds on the pill. So the gender's working fine, obviously. The huge rise in 11-year-olds on the pill. There's a number of 11- and 12-year-old girls prescribed the pill by a family doctor has soared fivefold in the past decade, according to new figures. And it's from The Telegraph. And it says here, uh, the disclosure prompted warnings that Britain was facilitating the sexualizing of young people at an every, uh, an even younger age. Well, how many years behind the times is this article? But the media is not there to help you, or they've been saying something at the time, eh, long ago, like exposing the guys who were pushing it. It says it follows the publication of guidance by the National Institute for Health and Clinical Excellence that sex education should be introduced from the age of five. And I read about a year ago, two years ago, it all came from the United Nations UNESCO, right down to even masturbation in schools. That's what they wanted to teach openly. I mean, literally practice it openly in a classroom at five years of age. I read the articles. So uh, Trevor Stammer, chairman of the Christian Medical Fellowship and a GP in South London, told the Sunday Times that sex education is introduced in primary schools in the way being proposed. We will see many more 11-year-olds seeking contraception without pointing out the risks. We are going to make matters worse. So as I say, uh, the agenda is working awfully well. It's, it's right on target, I'd say. And um, it was instituted an awful long time ago. And for anybody who's so darn naive, I mean, what do you think much music and music television is all about? Uh, that's all they push on the darn thing. And children watch that all the time. But now you've got, uh, again, pushed through the schools because they must make sure, just for Brave New World that's coming up, you see, and you get a new partner every night, but you mustn't get emotionally bonded to them. They've already practiced something like this in the, in the 19th century in the U.S., by the way. Go into your history on a particular Oneida community in New York, and you'll find out that's what the agenda was there. Old agenda, folks, working well. It's all on target. From myself and Hamish, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.